Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Thank you for being here. This is the Pretty Powerful Podcast, and this is Angela Gennari, and I am sitting here with Cindy Abel. So thank you so much for being here, Cindy. I am very excited to have you on because you are doing some really cool things for women and for young girls, and I really want to talk about that. But before I do that, let's introduce you properly. So uh, Cindy is the CEO and co-founder of Live to Be Me, the COO of Kevin Abel for Congress, or sorry, was the COO of Kevin Abel for Congress, uh, the co-founder of Abel Solutions, which is an IT company that she started with her husband, acquired in 2016. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And a manager at Anderson Consulting, international IT consulting firm. Uh, personally, she is that's the- That's where I started. That's so where you I'm started. Sorry to okay. <laughs> that's where I started my career. Okay. Awesome. And then uh, mom of three grown children, two girls and a boy out in the world doing great things. That's amazing and passionate about the need to change the massive big tech culture, making huge profits at the expense of our mental and physical health. And yes, uh, amen to that. Uh, Philanthropically, she is active on Voices for Georgia's Children and Leadership Sandy Springs Board and active on the Hands-On Atlanta and Care Advisory Boards. And you were the interim CEO of Hands-On Atlanta and past board member. So thank you for being here. You have a very impressive list of credentials. And I'm super excited to talk to you um, because of all the great things that you're doing. So you owned your IT consulting company company for about 20 years before it was acquired. 23. Wow. That's (laughs) amazing. So tell me uh, what, what led you into the IT industry? Because IT is not normally a place where you see very many women. So what exactly was it that led you to that industry and how did you get your start? So when I went to uh, college, I went in as an undeclared business major and my freshman, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My father, I, I really declared business just because my dad was a corporate um, person. He worked for Sears for 26 years and climbed up the corporate ladder. And I just admired him. And I didn't really know what else to do, to be honest. So um, when I got there my freshman year, they had a brand new program called Management Information Systems. Okay. And so they called all the business majors in because they were trying to attract people into that um, major. And we went into an auditorium. We heard about it. At the time, I was taking a computer science class. I was taking a programming class. Um, on the side. And I really liked it a lot, surprisingly. And so um, I was really intrigued by it. And I just kind of fell into it. So I, okay. that was my graduate degree in MIS. Right. Um, yeah, so that's how I started. And then um, coming out of school, uh, I, again, I was kind of shooting in the dark, I didn't have a whole lot of um, support, I had support from my dad. But in the way back then that you receive support was, these are the things you got to go do, go do them. Okay. And yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I graduated from school. I didn't have a job when I graduated. I worked three jobs just to pay the rent, you know, so those kind of things, but good, um, lessons to, to be on your own and have to work, um, 
24 hours a day and menial jobs, you know, yeah. to, and I'm not saying meaningless because right. there's a lot of people that have to do that in this world. And it's a good way. And I made my kids all work in the service industry. Yes. So they would have to understand how to treat each other, Absolutely. treat other people with respect. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, I think it's essential. Um, yeah. you know, my, my son's the same. He's 15. As soon as he's turned 15, he went and got a job at Chick-fil-A Yes, because I told him before he can do anything else, he has to work in the service industry yeah. because you have to know how to serve people and people are going to come to you in all kinds of different forms. You know, some of them are happy to see you and some of them are very angry and you have to know how to deal with all of that. You do. So I and think it helps you understand healthy. later in life, I think, that everybody's job is important and you need to treat people with respect. Absolutely. Um, so coming out of that, I was fortunate enough to um, get a couple of um, consulting job offers. I One was at PricewaterhouseCoopers at the time and one was at Anderson Consulting in their IT um, strategy solutions business. Wow. And I ended up taking a job at Anderson, which I worked at for seven and a half, eight years. And okay. um, I really just loved it. And I, so I really consider myself as somebody that didn't know what they wanted to do coming, mm -hmm. going into college and then coming out and not really having any direction or mentors or anything like that. Um, I really consider myself lucky to have fallen into something I actually love. Absolutely. So. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. And then you went and started your own IT consulting company, yes. which is incredible because coming into IT, I'm sure that was scary. Um, it's a brand new industry, really. I mean, there wasn't a lot of it going on at no. the time. And now you're coming in and they're just trying to get this you know, college program started. They're trying to kick it off. You are on the forefront of that. And then you take that experience and immediately and you launch your own company, right. which is another scary venture, yes. but you jumped into it. It was so. a very scary venture. So um, how that sort of transpired is I met my husband at uh -huh. Anderson Consulting. Okay. Uh, he he left the firm a lot earlier than I did and worked at Bell South and some other um, big corporate um, entities in technology for several years. And then um, we really, he really, he comes from a background of entrepreneurs. His oh, whole family wonderful. is like his father, his stepfather, his brother. So he really wanted to get out on his own and do his own thing. And so mm -hmm. he approached me and said, I'd really like to start our own company. And I decided to help him. And so we co-founded it together. I was still at Anderson at the time. So the idea was that I wouldn't jump into the business until we kind of got off our feet because I, I was yeah. a manager at the time. I had I was being offered part-time work. I was pregnant with my first child. Oh, wow. Um, and I would receive full benefits for, for working part-time. But when I had wow. the conversation coming out of maternity leave, the offer was, yes, you can be part-time, but you will be full-time travel to Chicago. Wow. And so... <laughs> um, being a mother was really, really important to me. And um, being there for my kids was very important to both of us. So we both I just quit my job. And we both took the plunge and started our company um, right out of the gate with no benefits and wow. no salary to support us. Yeah, so it's scary, a lot of pressure um, mm -hmm. being a young family. And then we hired our first employee, um, the day after I had my second child at two and a half years later. So that was wow. kind of when, you know, 
But it was it was a struggle for many, many years in the early years. Oh, I know. So. <laughs> I, yes, I've been there. It is. It's scary. I mean, you 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 leap and it, they say leap and the parachute will appear. Yes. Um, it's not always that easy. No, it's not. <laughs> I remember the parachute comes 50 feet from the ground, but you're there. Yeah. <laughs> so, just, yeah. The, just the, you know, I, mm -hmm. I think back to just going to the store and buying diapers and yeah. wanting to get the Pampers, but having to go to the, yeah. <laughs> this other brand because we couldn't afford it or. Right. You know, so it was a lot of that kind of stuff early on. Yeah. But then your kids were able to see, you know, their entrepreneurial parents. And I'm yeah. sure that that's made a big impact on them. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I, I know with me, my mother growing up was not entrepreneurial, but she was very much, uh, uh, she had worked three jobs and, you know, always grinding and, and, you know, just doing whatever she had to do, which is a very entrepreneurial trait. Right. Right. So even though she wasn't necessarily an entrepreneur, I learned entrepreneurship really from her because yeah. she had to make her own way. And that's what an entrepreneur does. Yeah. And uh, so my son who, you know, like I said, was 15, he's 15. The only thing he wants to do in life is be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because he sees that and he sees the, the grind and the hustle that comes with it. And now it becomes like a passion of, I love that. You yeah. Know, like I want that. And, I agree. And yeah. And I, you wake up every day with this purpose of, I don't know what today's going to bring, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be honest, when my husband wanted to do this, I kind of looked at him and I said, really? <laughs> you know? um, I was nervous about it because sure. that's not the background I came from. I right. came from, you know, my dad c climbing the um, corporate executive ladder. Yes. And so I kind of had al always envisioned business that way. I'd never really thought of entrepreneurship. So yeah. um, very different mindset now. Very. Yes. <laughs> and now you almost want it for your children and you want to tell other people about how wonderful it is. Yeah. Even, you know, but I say it's not for everybody. Right. You know, if, if you really like knowing how much money is going to be in your account every week, entrepreneurship may not be for you. A little risky. <laughs> you're, you're taking a risk. You're, you're trusting a process and you don't always know what the results are going to be. And, you know, it takes a lot of internal um, courage to, to constantly wake up every day and take the risks that you that you take. But I think it's more rewarding. Yeah. Um, to me, at least, uh, is the sure. what you get out of it. I know that you have a lot of great philanthropic um, activities and it's great that you're highly involved with Hands on Atlanta and uh, Voices for Children, Georgia's Children. So tell me about what led you down that path. Why, why did you put so much time and effort, you know, especially as an entrepreneur into giving back to your community? Um, that really goes back to my husband and I, um, one of our shared values early when we first met was, um, he was actually a, a big brother at big brothers, big sister. Yeah. And when I met him, he was that, and I was a, a big sister Wow. in the same organization, but we didn't know each other. Wow. That's <laughs> so great. we both kind of had that desire to give back or help, help the young or, um, so when we started our company, it was very, very important. Well, it mm -hmm. was before that because Hands on Atlanta started, I think it's 1989. I hope I'm not wrong on the year, but we actually, um, you know, were, it was before we got married and we were looking for something to do as busy corporate um, dinks, I guess, back yeah. then is what they called us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for those who are listening who don't know, it's uh, double income, no kid. Because yeah. I remember, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was a famous word back right. then. Um, so we were looking for a way to volunteer, but with busy schedules and a corporate job, we both had right. to give up our big brother's big sister's commitments because mm. 
they required us to be boots on the ground and we were traveling a lot. So um, Hanson Atlanta came out in the AJC with um, an article about this new organization that was started by this group of 12 young founders who were our age and calling everybody to come to the Days Inn. It was over um, near Monroe somewhere. I can't even remember. And we all end up in this room that was packed full. And they were offering opportunities to young professionals like us to go out and volunteer when you had the time and not necessarily commit yourself to one organization or one um, particular interest. But if you had a Saturday free you could go out and and volunteer. So my husband and I end up getting very involved in that with that organization over time. And I ended up doing, they have a a longstanding program there called Discovery, where um, you would go into um, the different elementary schools that they had partnerships with on Saturday mornings, and you would Mm -hmm. build curriculum for the kids and, you know, like kindergarten (laughs) to fifth graders. And so we just really enjoyed the opportunities the organization gave us back then. And I moved into, um, we moved into being corporate sponsors as our mm-hmm. IT business. Um, and then I moved on to the board and I'm still on the advisory board today. So I've been with the organization for many, many years in many wow. capacities. But he and I um, both shared back to that value system the idea that um, as business owners, we were responsible for our community. And so it was important to us to not only do it with our, for ourselves, um, but also give our employees, you know, we did hands on Atlanta day every year with our employees and um, just give, um, you know, a role model type of sense to everybody that was around us that giving back to the community from a corporate perspective was very important. So corporate social responsibility, I guess, very early on. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, back in my days of working in the corporate world, we did volunteer with Hands on Land. I remember doing landscaping um, at one point. So I remember doing um, some landscaping for a few neighborhoods and uh, we would go and plant flowers for elderly citizens and and, uh, work at food banks. And and I love those opportunities. And I think, you know, when you're when you're coming up into the corporate world, I think it's really important for corporations to do things like that with their employees because it grounds their employees to know that there is a sense of community within that organization. And I think that that really shows that the corporations care about the communities that they're serving. And um, it's, it's important for, for and I really think that back then uh, that was starting to become something that was more realized. And today it's very much in many of the corporate cultures now, um, right. thankfully. Yes. And I'm very happy to say Hands on Atlanta is still thriving today. Yes, so. I know. I still see yeah. it. That's amazing. I love it. Um, and so tell me, I know that it's very challenging or it can be very challenging to to get an opportunity to serve on a board of directors. Yeah. And you're on several. Yeah. Um, and so how do you get those opportunities? Because I know that there are people who are doing, you know, they're doing well in their careers, but they want to go to the next level and serve on a board of directors. How do you what would what advice would you give to somebody who wants to serve on a board of directors um, for a nonprofit or an organization? What what steps would they take to to do something like that? Well, so for me, um, I was on the board of directors for Hands on Atlanta pretty early on. You know, in a large part, we were monetary sponsors and sure, yeah. those type of things. So I think that that 
you know, gives you a sense of, you know, when you're involved as a, as an entity or a corporation in something, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're asked to be um, yeah. part of the leadership. And you want your voice to be heard. And you want your voice to be right. heard. Um, but I think over the years, I've just, you know, there's certain organizations, for example, CARE, um, and the one I'm really active in today is Voices for Georgia's Children. And, um, you know, I, a lot of times what I'll do now is just use some of my connections and say, mm-hmm. I haven't served in this capacity in a little while. And I go and ask somebody and say, it's time for me to find the right role. Okay. And so um, if you have your foot in the Atlanta philanthropic community, that's usually not a very hard um, ask. Okay. So, so okay. I, I really feel like it's just a matter of them knowing it's people knowing that you're interested and then the people that, you know, helping you find those opportunities. Yeah. So it really comes down to relations, relationships yes. and community building. Yes, I know? Think and so. I think that's, I think that's important for so many aspects of being an entrepreneur, um, and moving in your career is the relationships that you're building along the way, hundred percent. you know, and, yeah. and also why it goes back to never burn bridges, right? right? Because you never know, um, you know, the hand you bite might be the hand that feeds you next week. So, exactly. you know, always maintain those relationships and, and keep that network you know, solid. Yeah, so that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, so both of those things, your entrepreneurial venture and your community work um, have led you into Live to Be Me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really interested to talk to you about this. So tell me a little bit about Live to Be Me and how you come up with the idea. Okay, well, I'll give you the high level sure. one sentence. Yes. Um, Live to Be Me is a positive, supportive uh, social app for teen girls that inspires healthy self images. I, I always emphasize healthy these days Mm -hmm. because we have all been around the news that is now telling us that there's plenty of research out there saying it's not so healthy. Right. Um, but we do that by having kind interactions and meaningful connections within our app. So, um, that's very important to us. Okay. So how does that happen? Is it something where, um, let's just say somebody, is it somebody posts a picture and then, and then what, like how, how does your app differ from like an Instagram or a Snapchat and talk about, you know, how we can encourage girls to, to be kind to one another. So, um, maybe I'll give you a little history. Sure. So when we first started this venture, my co-founder, and I, Tasha Marks, okay. um, she's, she's still my co-founder, still my business partner. Um, she and I had daughters yeah. and they were young at the time and they were both getting on social media. Um, and this is back in about 2000, 2012. Okay. Um, we were at that point called live to be girl. Okay. And we, we, we were neighbors and we came together and said, we really don't like what we're seeing with our daughters. Right. We don't like the exclusionary behaviors. We don't like the bullying that we're seeing, Mm -hmm. whether it's intentional or just felt. We don't like the fact that some of um, the girls would put up a picture on Instagram and if they didn't have a hundred likes in an hour would take it down. It was really our mom gut that was feeding us to go out there and try this. Yeah. So we spent a couple of years doing that. We actually self-funded our for our website at the time okay. um, and really spent a year looking at um, th- the type of features we should build in, their behaviors on the website. Um, anyway, so we, we did that for a couple of years. 
what we found back then was we needed capital. It's a very risky technology business. Sure. And a lot of our conversations about it were falling on deaf ears mm. because uh, there wasn't any data saying that there was really anything wrong. So it was just our guts. Right. Um, there was really a lot of investment out there, but it wasn't for our type of company, nor did anybody that was the investor really understand social media or the concept of having a social enterprise or a social impact enterprise. Um, so anyway, for many reasons, um, we put it to sleep for a little bit, for mm -hmm. a little while. And then in 2020, we came together and, you know, I really wanted to see if we should just you know, stop pursuing it or if we should, if there was a reason to keep pursuing it. So I started doing a lot of research. Um, right then, um, there was a nonprofit that had come out recently called Center for Humane Technology. Okay. And Center for Humane Technology, when I found that website, somebody had sent it to me, um, had, it was a bunch of business, business ethicists from the Silicon Valley world, Google, Facebook, mm -hmm. the big monolithic companies that are running all these media platforms. And they um, they had a bunch of business ethicists that came together and said, we have an issue here. Social media is actually causing societal harm. Yes. And we need to come together and figure out a way to address that. And so on their website is what was called what is called a ledger of harms. And it not only talked about digital addiction and mental health issues for kids. It also talked about things like political divisiveness yes. and misinformation that mm -hmm. was being caused because the the platforms aren't regulated right. regulated at or all. the what they call fact checkers are actually right. opinionated people who are putting their own agendas in right, right. so right. there's not actual fact checking so, going on yeah so yeah. you're right because it's not media as the traditional media correct and they didn't want to be media right they don't want to have the same regulation that's right so anybody that's out in these platforms a lot of times can claim to be some sort of expert as we're all finding out now right and that's when the misinformation starts and that's when you start sharing things over multiple airways that are false yes. um so anyway discovering that nonprofit. Um, and then seeing more data uh, come out about the mental health issues, 152% increase in preteen suicide. Wow. I mean, just the, the statistics on it are very alarming from an anxiety, depression standpoint, body image issue. I think we are all aware now that um, from the Facebook files that uh, the, the, the internal organization of Facebook was doing their own research mm -hmm. on mental health and, and teen girls. Wow. And they themselves identified that one in three teen girls has body image issues because they use the Instagram app. Wow. And so that's alarming. It's and, very alarming. <clears throat> and I think as parents, as citizens, we should all be nervous about this giant corporation that has created these algorithms that are purely for revenue, mm -hmm. but are no good for you, me, especially our kids. Well, and each time you have a new filter or, you know, some other way to disguise who you really are and create this unrealistic image of you. Right. I think it leads to even worse, you know, problems because people aren't recognizing, you know, that this isn't a, a real 
this isn't what you really look like in in real life. And so little girls aren't understanding that as much. Like that's right. Even, you know, we can differentiate. We have that sense of like, hmm, something doesn't seem quite right. But a girl who's maybe 11 or 12 isn't necessarily be able to make those same um, judgments. That's correct. So um, with all this data and information, um, we started asking some teenagers if they liked the idea of an of a alternative app. Yeah. Did a lot of research with um, groups of teenagers in um, early 2020 and found that they didn't like the live to be girl. Uh-huh. They thought that the word girl made a teenager that was 16 feel too young. Okay. Um, didn't like our logo. It was too babyish. Okay. My niece was the most vocal about that. Okay. <laughs> um, so we, we went on a, um, mission to rebrand. So we hired a brand strategist to redo the, all the branding. Um, in the meantime, I also went through a women's, um, entrepreneur, women's accelerator here in town okay. called Launchpad 2X. And I should have probably had that on my, um, bio, but, uh, I immediately reached out to a woman, um, Bernie Dixon, who started that organization, and it's now the CEO is Christy Brown, but um, asking Bernie for advice on how I should move this forward, and she immediately encouraged me to apply for that accelerator, which was in the fall of 2020. Oh, my gosh. So it was all virtual. It was (laughs) all COVID. Um, So unfortunately, we weren't in person, but it was a great jumpstart for me. Absolutely. Uh, Gave me so much support, um, gave me the courage to kind of move forward. Um, because oftentimes I'll say this project is like a bull, rolling a boulder uphill. It's mm. just, it's gigantic. Yeah. And um, I'm just me. So, right. Um, so, anyway, we rebranded. And then my um, co founder, Tasha, and I decided to um, invest in actually building the uh, multiple, it's called a minimal viable product. Okay. Uh, so in the startup world, if you're a technology company, they really want to see that you've got a product. Right. So we invested to create an app and we hired a software company to help us do that. That was done um, at the end of August last year in the fall. Okay. Uh, and then in the meantime, we wanted to run... We wanted this to be different, right? So everybody talks about differentiators. So one of the reasons that we're different is that we every um, user that signs onto our platform has to sign a social contract. And that social contract says we are positive and supportive. Mm -hmm. We are authentic and we are kind. And those are the guiding principles of the app. But beyond that, we wanted to make sure that the kids that came on, the teenage girls that came on the app were really feeling better yeah. as a result of being on the app. So uh, through some discussions with local university sis, uh, systems, um, I already had hired two University of Georgia marketing interns to take over my Instagram account, and they, they've built it from 300 to 2700 since they started. Wow. Um, I had an inroad with University of Georgia. I had an introduction to uh, Dr. Hine, who is the, the person in charge of in- clinical internships um, for the Department of Public Health there. And I had a long discussion with her, and we decided to sign a memorandum of understanding, um, which is a three year deal where I get interns to help me do this research behind activities on the app. 
Wow. So, um, and also we decided that the best people to be the community monitors or mentors were going to be college females because they have just come out of the experience. So the intern started with me in January and I have three rock star interns in that are, you know, are behavioral health and sciences um, majors. That's amazing. And they have been building the infrastructure around doing a beta test in April, which is just coming up. And essentially what that's going to be is 113 to 18 year old girls and 20 mentors. And they also are creating a training program. Mm-hmm. Um, which will include uh, mental health resources and mentoring best practices. Wow. So the mentors that come on will be enabled with information on what to do should they have warning signs or see things that that indicate somebody's in crisis. So, wow. Well, that's... That's incredible. It's great that you're able to develop those partnerships because the partnerships, you know, the <laughs> partnerships are really going to make this because, you know, monitoring, because it's one thing to say, this is what I plan to do. This is what I'm setting out to do. But now you can actually track that and and give it, you know, measurable results, that's which right. is amazing. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful. And I'm sure that's going to be great for the investors to see as well. Yeah. So tell me about the investor journey, um, yeah. because obviously you need to raise money for this to, to make this come to fruition. So tell me what it's like to go into the VC world. And, you know, if you are able to walk into a VC company, if you have mentors, if, you know, what, what guidance you're receiving on that end? So, um, that is a great question. As you know, that's a difficult question. (laughs) Very difficult. Uh, Yes. It's, it's, you know, we, we were talking before we started this about the small percentage of money that women typically get from yes. venture. Yeah, but it's under 3%. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, the conversation is a little bit different because there are traditional venture capital companies. Right. I really model Live to Be Me as a B corporation, okay. which is a social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and many things that traditional venture capitalists don't like to hear is that they're not going to receive 150% return on their investment. Right. So the idea behind social enterprise, and I've been studying this a lot and talking to a lot of people in the social impact space, which is, which is starting to be a lot more um, relevant in the communities. Sure. You know, from a fundraising perspective. So I'm not going to be attractive to a, a traditional VC. Correct. I am really looking to engage with impact investors that want to see real change, Mm -hmm. that really want to see us move the needle on things we have to change in our social media environment. I mean, the way I look at it is that I could wait until regulations are put into place. But uh, as a friend of mine so eloquently said, a 13-year-old girl is 13 years old for 365 days, then she's 14 and the damage is done. So I'm feeling a lot of pressure to get this in the public space as quickly as possible. And to that end, I'm really just networking with as many people as possible in this impact venture space. Um, I am happy to say that in January, I received my first $100,000 um, investment from a private wow. equity um, person. She is a woman. She Yay, does have three good. daughters. She she does not wish to publicly be named, sure. but 
um, a wonderful person that's investing in the mission. Well, so, congratulations. Thank that's you. That's a huge hurdle is yes, just get that first that investment. First because a lot of what the investors will say is, well, who else is in, right? Yeah. Like who else is going to, you know, that's who right. else is taking the risk? And so they want to know that there's company in, in what they're doing and that there's other interest. And, and so, I'm also trying amazing. to, I mean, we both, you know, talked about this earlier too. Your network is very important. Right. I'm reaching out back out to everybody I know, and I'm really a powerful believer that one conversation leads to two more, right. and then so on and so on and so on. And many of those convert. I've been so fortunate that so many of those conversations have led to things that have really um, jump started my efforts or moved me forward you know, sometimes I'm kind of in awe of it all. Right. So, well, and you never know who you are inspiring along the way, you know, like you were brought to this podcast and to me by somebody who has a tremendous amount of respect for you. And, you know, he told me, you know, this is somebody you need to talk to. She, she's doing great things out there in the world. So you never know the message you're putting out there and the legacy that you're leaving. And so I think that what you're doing in this mission that you're on is incredibly important for, for women, you know, to, obviously the the entrepreneurialism, the giving back to your community, being a mom and saying, this isn't right. We have to save our daughters. Um, That's a really, really powerful message because um, as you know, anyone who has children will say you live and breathe their happiness. Right. And so ensuring that, you know, when you, when you see them look at social media and they become depressed because they don't look like the other girls or, you know, or even boys, you know, it's, am I as athletic? Am I as handsome as am I as tall? Like whatever the boys are measuring themselves by and whatever the girls are measuring themselves by, there's a constant comparison of, am I good enough? Right. And there's not enough kindness on social media and there's a lot of divisiveness and the divisiveness scares me. Um, you know, even as adults, it's, it's shocking to me how divisive people are on social media. And I mean, unfriending people because they don't believe, believe what you believe politically. Um, you know, you support a cause that they don't support and suddenly they, they're criticizing you. And it's like, we have to do better for each other. We really do. And, you know, young girls, they can't make those same decisions about their own life. You know, it's hard for them to pull away when they go to school. You know, I was talking to somebody about how rumors can fly. You know, you have a rumor that starts off on social media and it's wildfire. Yes. And then they go to school the next day and And suddenly everybody knows. And it's so scary for these for these children. And I hate this for them because thank God I didn't grow up in that in that world. Me too. You know, thank God that when we went to school, people judged us for who we are in that moment and not necessarily, you know, based on a rumor on social media that hit wildfire and suddenly they're hated by, you know, thousands of people and they're getting, you know, threats. And it's just so unfair. It is. Um, So, yes, I I applaud you for stepping up and doing something about it as a mom and as an entrepreneur. I think that's amazing. It's especially important to me that we the future women of the world are in mm-hmm. this generation right now. And we already know that a ton of them have already been harmed. Yes. And so it's our job to try to figure out a way to, to change the trajectory of that. Yes, so. absolutely. And, you know, not enough is being done by the social media companies themselves. They've ignored so, it. I know. And they, it's they've scary. known they've had the internal research to tell them that moves they need to make. Yeah. Um, and they've ignored it because it doesn't, 
it, it hurts the bottom line. Right, right. It doesn't make a money to right. do the right thing. So right. they're going to continue on the path that they're on and continue, you know, being divisive and continuing promoting things that aren't necessarily healthy for us psychologically. That's right. So, um, you know, it takes us stepping up and fighting against that to say, no, we, we demand better for ourselves and we demand better for our children. And um, we're not going to stand for this anymore. So yes. I really I'm I'm just um, cheering you on because you. I really want this app to be something that comes about and helps girls. Um, and then, you know, perhaps there'll be a version that, you know, will will be encompassing of boys and girls and, and everybody can, you know, feel like this is something that we're all looking out for them because you I mean, never, little girls are, gosh, their, their poor little self-esteem is, you know, it's, they live and die on social media. And they do. I mean, me. it's changed, it's changed the way, um, middle schoolers and teenagers socialize now. Yes. It's changed their whole social environment. It's no longer that you're popular in school or unpopular in school with the kids in school. It's now that you're part of this mass culture yeah. of followers that are everywhere. Right. I mean, it's amazing to me how many kids my kids know yeah. just because of the following. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my son will tell me all the time. He's, uh, I'll say, oh, how do you know so-and-so? Oh, I don't know them in real life. I just know them on Instagram exactly. or Snapchat <laughs> or TikTok or whatever yeah. it is. But yeah, so, and, and, and you know. And there's positives to social media. There, there are. really are. Yeah. We just have to get back to a point where the, com the company is valuing the customer. In my case, the customer are teenagers. Right. And right. Um, I'm going to look at helping them or doing the right things for them first before I'm going to look at profit. Right. So and, and that's the right thing to do. And you know, you're going to need investors that understand that because, you know, obviously, as an investor, you want to make sure that what you're doing is making an impact. And we're think I think we're seeing more of that. I think I we so. are. I think we're seeing more investors who are understanding that it's beyond profits. You know, there's that whole planet profit people yes. um, initiative. And I think people are understanding that sometimes you have to do right for the community in order to help your profits, you know, because if we can, if we can encourage young girls and we can build up their self-esteem and we can, you know, do what's right for them, then one day they will become great adults who are consuming products. That's but, right. you know, if we don't let them get to that point, if we have, you know, Given them such self-esteem and suicide rates and, and everything else, it's just there's there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work, a to lot do. of work to do. And, you know, I applaud you for everything that you're doing, because not enough people are stepping up to the plate and saying this needs to be fixed. Well, and I, I consider myself very fortunate. Um, you know, I right now, my husband and I, ha we did uh, have an acquisition of our company. Right. Um, but neither of us w was ready to stop moving. So yeah. I just feel very, very grateful that I have the ability to spend every day doing this and dedicating myself to it. Um, you know, we're pre-revenue. Hopefully we won't be pre-revenue within a year. Yes. Um, we're going to work hard to try to um, figure out how to do that. But um, right now I've just had so much help along this journey in the last couple of years with yeah. my network, with the people I've met along the way, women and men. Good. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. And that's amazing because I think, I don't think this is something, I think every father is yes. going to look at this and say, yes, this, this is overdue. Yes. And every mother is going to look at this and say, yes, my daughter absolutely needs this. And yes. so, you know, I, I think that this has, you know, it goes way across, you know, mother, father, male, female. This is something that really, truly, 
the world is recognizing needs to happen. Yes. So I'm happy to hear that. And then, you know, you mentioned um, your company was acquired, your IT consulting company. So what was what was it that made you go into that mindset of, I think I'm ready to sell my company and then, you know, here you are launching this one. So was it, had the plan been to sell it or were you just ready? It was just time. I think it was time. I mean, my husband at the time was really at the helm of it and, um, he was tired, you know, and I had kind of stepped out to do the live to be girl thing, live to be me thing. So he, he was really just thinking it was time to find somebody else to take it on. And we, it was really important to the two of us that, and it's still called able solutions under the acquiring company. Um, but it was really important to us that our employees have a pathway, a career pathway that, you know, we never grew past a certain number of employees, 20 to 30 over, over the years, which is, which is great. And what we wanted, because we wanted that balance. Um, however, we wanted to make sure that whatever happened, our employees weren't going to suffer for it. So, you know, the, the large company that acquired to us gave them more of a pathway in a career sense. So, um, I just think it was time. Okay. Yeah. That's very fair. So what or who inspires you? There's so many people that inspire yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say that the young generation, so, you know, now my daughters are, my my daughter Danielle is 27 and my daughter uh, Juliana is 24 and they're both, you know, my daughter is at, my middle daughter's at school at Baylor um, my older daughter is a doctor of physical therapy now, and she wow. works out in Tucson. But just watching the girls and all of their friends and their sense of themselves at this age does inspire me. Because I think about right. back when I was that age, um, yeah. they're more they're more inclined to understand the things that are going on in society. Uh, they're seeing what's happened, happening from, uh, you know, what, what we're this, the, the culture that we're in now where we're understanding that there's a lot of disparities Mm -hmm. that a lot of people haven't been recognizing for so long and they're speaking out and they're speaking up for those things. And I, I don't know that back when I was that age, I had any sense of those things and, So I think the younger generation that I'm seeing, I really like that they're standing up and using their voices to help change things. Yeah. So absolutely. And they seem to have a lot of confidence around that. And they seem to have more of a voice than I might have had back then. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that, too. I see that with my son. I see that with, you know, their generation. Yeah. um, That they are. They're more vocal about, you know, the things that are wrong in the world or things that are unfair and uh, things that need to be addressed. And I think that it's time. And I think um, as I've gone into a couple of the university systems, I had the pleasure to um, speak to a business and society class at Emory, which was the most fun I've had in two years, honestly. Because the kids were so engaged, yes. kids, the young adults were so engaged and had so many questions around this issue of the impact of social media and, um, you know, our world today that we're facing with all these questions. But they really want to get out and have a job, but not just any job. 
They want to get out and have a job that's meaningful to them. Making a difference. It's a very different, it's not just about the profit anymore. I mean. Yeah, well, and I was reading a study, you know, during the whole great resignation and, you know, they they put all this stuff on LinkedIn about how people are resigning. And they were, and so people were asking, like, is it money? Is it money? Is it money? You know, everybody assumed it was money, you know, it's because money. But, you know, the number one reason is purpose. Yeah, they want to feel like when they wake up every day, they're doing something that they love or that's meaningful or the company cares and that there's community um, involvement. So purpose was number one is that, you know, they're looking for greater purpose. And that was it. So it wasn't money. It wasn't. And so all of this talk about, well, we just need to pay people more. No, we need better balance. You know, they need they need life balance. You know, we can't work people 18 hours a day and expect them to show up ready to go every single day. We have to we have to provide a, a a reasonable solution for life balance, for purpose, for community, for, you know, giving back. Um, and so uh, until we address all of those, we're going to keep continue seeing. Yeah. And that's resigning. inspiring in of itself. So, right, right. yeah. So, um, okay. So tell me um, about a time that you, that you, as women, we give away our power a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tend to, you know, it's because my spouse did this and it's because my children, it's because my coworkers, it's because, you know, we, we give our power away um, because we don't feel comfortable stepping into our power as women. So tell me about a time that you did step into your power and what that meant to you. Well, I think over the years, being in IT as a woman, Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the beginning of my career was very daunting. And a lot of times I didn't have the voice within me to stand up I mean, there was mostly, I was mostly working with males in my roles and it was hard for me to stand up for myself back Mm -hmm. then. I think I have found my power now. Um, and most recently, probably in the last six, seven, eight years, um, it was really powerful for me to get involved and figure out how to do this yeah, and, and take charge of it in a way that even back in 2012, 2014, I didn't. Right. Um, I was intimidated by the investors I was talking to, which were mostly, and I say this with no ill intent, but were mostly older white guys. Right. Sure. Um, that just kind of laugh, laughed at us or, right. you know, thinking our, we were crazy or mm-hmm. our idea was crazy. Well, and they weren't relatable, right? right. Like they're not relating to you. They're, they may not face the same challenges. Right. Right. So your audience sometimes needs to right. change. And, and men and women, as I said before mm-hmm. earlier, have really empowered me over the last two years in a way, um, you know, I've become more vocal about where I'm going with this. And I'm not changing course on that just because somebody tells me that it's not going to work, that it's too risky. Right. You know, it just takes one person to try to move the needle forward. And if you just act every day with that purpose and mission, then I think... Yeah. All of us can achieve great things. So. Absolutely. And I think people look at, um, they, they advise you from their standpoint, right? That's right. So they say it's too risky. What they're really saying is it's too risky for me, yeah. right? And yeah. so they show you their limitations. It's not necessarily your limitations. That's and right. So, you know, people have no idea what you're capable of and the fire that's in you. And so, but when we, when we give advice to somebody or we say, yeah, I think that's a crazy idea, that's because it's crazy to them, but our journey is different. And so, you know, a crazy idea 
starting, you know, a social media platform might have sounded crazy to somebody before Facebook happened and then look at it now, you know, and so everything is crazy until it's done. And I, and I've been, um, lucky. I'm, I'm, I have a business partnership with this woman that I met. Her name is Robin Farrell through Launchpad and she has a whole company around, um, mental health. She's been studying and has mental health resources and her, her energy and just having that connection with her has really helped my voice too in this, in that we not only want to make people feel better on this platform, we want to make sure that we bring in her mental health resources onto the platform. So the girls are getting that without noting, knowing that they're getting resiliency stuff. So I love it. My voice has just become more powerful also because there's been a lot of people surrounding me with these great resources and ideas. So awesome. I like that a lot. So what advice would you give to 18 year old you sitting out on your journey? I would say, have a voice, be confident, you know, um, express yourself. Don't be afraid to speak up. Mm -hmm. I Definitely wasn't that back when I was 18. I wasn't either. So, I, know. <laughs> uh, I, I think surround yourself with women that can help you with yeah. peers that think like you, you know, yeah, be supportive of them, just create a network and safe space around you of people that you love and care about that can help you and guide you along the way and let you have that voice. I love it. Um, and then last question, what do you wish more people knew? I wish more, I, I, I'm not sure that people don't know it, um, but I wish we all walked around every day, woke up with an awareness that what you're walking in and what I'm walking in is different and you could be walking through something very bad. And so, you know, this idea that you're in the grocery store mm. and you're just impatient and you don't have time and somebody in front of you, you know, is can't find their money or is taking too long. We all just need to be empathetic, you know, and know that that person in front of you has maybe a real issue going on that you don't understand. Just like I might have a real issue that somebody might not understand. It's challenging. It's very challenging. I have no idea what somebody else is going through. We teach in our trainings with our employees all the time. We teach empathy because, you know, being in the hospitality industry, I I own a security and event staffing company. And, you know, we deal sometimes with people who are very irate. And I tell people, if somebody is really mad at you, it's probably not about you at all. That's right. So Give grace. Yeah. You have no idea. Give grace. I love that. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, somebody may have gotten, you know, somebody has a sick child or, um, you know, uh, a marriage where they're going through something or a parent who just passed away. I mean, you you have no idea what somebody's journey is and what their day is, you know, so give grace, whether it's a cashier at a store or, or, you know, um, you know, an employee or somebody you meet along the way, just give grace because you have no idea what the journey is like. So yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, so thank you so much for being here. This was really enjoyable and I'm so inspired by you and and what you're creating. So, I mean, I know it's it's not easy to come out and say, I'm going to develop an app and we're going to make a change. And, um, I applaud everything that you're doing because I think it's amazing. Thank you, Angela. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. 
and we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.